Hi, this is Kimmy Alexander, and you found Tale Chasing. If you like magical fiction set in a contemporary urban environment, then you've come to the right place. We'll talk about writing it, reading it, and some of my own stories thrown in for good measure. So let's start creating some magic. Welcome to part one of my interview with Chris Lester from Metamore City. I had a bit of technical difficulty the day I did this interview, so you might notice a change in quality partway through. The Basement Ventures for recording is consistent, but Skype sounds the best when it works right. Now, on to part one of the interview. So, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, tell us who you are, please. Well, my name is Chris Lester. I am the host and head writer for the Metamore City podcast. Okay. Um, now, when you say head writer, does that mean there are other writers doing stuff as well? Yeah, we've got a couple of other people who are currently involved in the project. Um, Brian Watson, who does uh, the voice of Brian Summers in uh, the novel Making the Cut, uh, is currently working on a couple of short stories, actually a short story and a novella, uh, that are going to air on the podcast. Um, Philippa Ballantyne is also going to do something um, related to the project. Uh, Nobilis has already put out one uh, episode that has aired as a bonus episode. So uh, we've got a few people who are who are in this project together. That's great. So are you the one who created the world of Metamore City? Yes and no. Uh, Metamore City is an extrapolation of a shared setting um, that was a medieval fantasy setting that was created by a fellow who went by the name of Copernicus. There was a shared online writers group that uh, w where we established this uh, universe where pretty much everybody could play in this sandbox who wanted to, and we built that fantasy world together. And then I was the one who sort of took that concept and said, where is this going long term? What is this world going to look like in you know, a thousand years and 1300 years. Is this the first thing you've written for, for Metamore City for those people who don't know, or is there another thing that you wrote previous to the, to making the cut? Um, there were a series of short stories that were aired beginning in September that were sort of the introductory uh, stages of Metamore City. I've been working on this project since late 1999 and uh, just kind of chipping away at it between other projects. I didn't really have a a market for it until I got into podcasting and uh, found that this was a way that I could distribute my fiction that way. Um, so there were, you know, this, the episodes that you've heard in uh, the early stages of Metamore City um, were all f stories that were written between about 2001 and uh, 2004. Well, actually, no, The Sentinel was one that I wrote last year. But Making the Cut, I started in May of 2007, and it will probably be finished in May of 2008. Gotcha. One question I wanted to ask is, tell us about the briefly about the world of Metamore City. Okay. Because I, I'm, my podcast is generally about and fantasy, and I, what I've listened to and, and everything I know so far, it seems very like it qualifies for urban fantasy. Would you think so? I guess so. Yeah, um, it's 
the the term that I like to use for it is spell punk. Uh-huh. You know, you, you have, uh, you see, you understand what the word is, even though nobody's ever used it before. Um, <laughs> you know, I took a, a cyberpunk style um, near future setting, something, you know, similar to Blade Runner, and imagined a world where magic had grown up alongside that advanced tech and enabling that advanced tech. You know, these people would not be capable of, you know, flying cars, for example, if it weren't for the fact that they had magic to assist the technology to sort of uh, help around the, you know, the more inconvenient laws of physics. <laughs> but uh, basically, yeah, it's a gritty, noirish, not quite dystopian, not quite utopian uh, future. You know, there are definitely aspects of the world of Metamore that are nicer than ours and definitely parts of it that are a lot more scary and uh, a lot more sinister. You know, Metamore City is a uh, the capital city of a uh, an empire that is uh, pretty much benevolent. It uh, covers the larger portion of the largest continent of uh, of this world, this Earth, and you know there's about 15 million people who live in Metamore City. It uh, basically is built like a layer cake. You have a large number of people. You basically imagine the, the entire population of the greater New York City area inside an area the size of Manhattan Island. And so they just, there was nowhere to build out, so they built up. Mm-hmm. And what kind of um, what kind of characters do we run into? Like, I know you mentioned, I, I know personally that there's vampires and telepaths and... Uh, elves. I just found out about elves yesterday. Um, <laughs> is that like the gist of it, or do you have other types of characters that? There are a number of different kinds of characters in this world, um, because it is a an urban modern type setting. Um, you have room for everybody from the lowest of the low up to the the upper echelons of society. Um, Morgan Drowling, the vampire uh, medical examiner, who uh, is one of the main characters in the series, although not in the current novel, um, she comes from a noble house that uh, is part of the, you know, what used to be the ruling class of Metamore and the the Metamore Empire, and is now they're they're pretty much like the House of Lords in uh, in Great Britain. They have mostly ceremonial powers they do have a little more political power than the house of lords does um and certainly they have a lot of economic power because these old families wield a lot of influence so you have on the one hand these these um prestigious lines that have been around for a long time and you know sort of move in their own social circles and then on the opposite extreme you've got the street rats the people who are down at the bottom levels of the city. And when you hit bottom in Metamore City, you literally hit bottom because the people who live on street level are the people who can't afford to get higher up away from the the pollution and all of the, the trash that runs down from the upper levels of the city. Even in a fairly sanitized uh, urban environment in you know with modern levels of technology, you're still going to have a lot of dirt <laughs> that runs down you know, a city that is 500 meters high. And uh, the people who live at the bottom, you know, they have to pretty much squeak their lives out in tenements that are, you know, sandwiched between warehouses 
and factories and other sorts of things that you know are sort of unsightly everybody who is able to live higher up away from those things does so so you have a, a city that's extremely socially stratified um, just by virtue of geography people who can't afford to move up move up and the people who can't sink lower and lower and there's lots of creatures that you know have no place in the economic continuum who live at the bottom because you know on the one hand there's lots of places to hide and you know lots of buildings that are sort of so large that nobody pays attention to every nook and cranny and uh, also because that those areas down there are always in shadow they're always relatively lightly policed because no, they can't afford to keep a constant police presence down there um, it makes good hunting territory so you have literally the things that go bump in the night that are down there um, preying on people in a very literal sense, in addition to all the, you know, sorts of human predators that we get in an urban uh, environment, the, the pimps and the drug lords and, you know, what have you. So there's room for lots of different kinds of people in this, this, these settings. Interesting. Um, which came first for you, an, an idea of a story you wanted to write or the world itself? Um, what came first was probably... See, that's that's a difficult uh, one to answer because to me, the world concepts inform the characters and then the characters inform the world. And it's this sort of iterative process. For me, Metamore City grew out of a uh, storyline that I was working on in the original Metamore Keep, in the, the fantasy um, medieval setting, um, a story that was going to have very big consequences down the line, namely um, you have this young priestess character who causes the fall of the gods. And you know that I knew that that was going to have major repercussions, and so, so I started thinking about you know, what is the world going to look like after the the gods have fallen to earth and are forced to um, live in fear of somebody possibly offing them and taking their place in the pantheon and, uh, you know, dealing with all of the, the mundane stuff that happens for people who have to live on the mortal plane. Um, so that concept was, you know, it le it started with a couple of with the actions of characters and then that led to ideas about the world and as I started to flesh out what the, this future world was going to look like, that gave me ideas for the sorts of new characters that were going to live in that new world. And, you know, it just kind of bounces back and forth from there. The next question I wanted to ask you is, um, see, because I want to I talk about the writing process for you and, and how you do that. But I also want to spend some time talking to you about the concept of publishing your work via a podcast and all the interesting things um, that way. So I'm trying to figure out which direction I want to go first. It's okay. We can always edit this later. <laughs> True. I, and, you know, if we jump around, it'll keep them guessing. <laughs> yeah, let's go with this one. Um, you mentioned previously that didn't have really a way to... I think what you said was you didn't have a market or a way to publish what you were going for at the time, and you chose podcasting. What made you decide to go that route? Or what started you thinking that that was a possibility, and then how did you go about it? Well, I started thinking about podcasting um, from the moment that I discovered that there were podcast novels. Um, 
you know, I first started listening to uh, to Seventh Son um, because of you know picking up on the fact that it was going on from other podcasts that I listened to, um, and uh, so I listened to that or started listening to it because, of course, that just ended not that long ago. And while I was listening to Seventh Son, I also started listening to The Rookie when that came out. And uh, the big one that did it for me was Bill Above Batting's um, T. Morris's uh, detective series. Because uh, in some ways, Billy and Metamore have uh, things in common in that you've got, in both cases, a uh, juxtaposition of a, a gritty, urban-type environment with the fantastic and the fact that Billy was so well-received um, gave me some hope that people would be interested in what I was doing. At the same time, I was listening to the production values that, that T was managing to produce on Billy, and that just, it really struck me. It's like, wow, you can create something that's a lot more uh, immersive than your standard audiobook. And... Uh, with you know really not much more than time and you know a bit of a bit of care you don't really need to spend a whole lot of money to make it happen and uh, so i got my podcasting rig together and started you know putting together these these stories uh, i i approached uh leanne mabry to read the uh the second story uh, huntress which was written from first person perspective from uh, morgan's point of view um you know, once when I sent it out to her and said, hey, I'd like you to record this for me if you're willing. And then she came back to me all excited about how cool she thought the story was. That really gave me a lot of hope that, OK, yes, this is something that potentially has a market in the podcasting community. And uh, so that was the main thing. I had been previously putting my stories uh, out on this, uh, the writer's mailing list that had spawned uh, Metamore Keep. And uh, the, the Metamore City stories had never really gotten much traction there. I think I was uh, diverging a little too far from the uh, the cherished tropes and uh, literary devices that were the focus of that uh, mailing list. It would be sort of like if somebody came to your... Uh, you know, urban fantasy, if you had an urban fantasy writer's list and, you know, they started putting out these stories about, um, you know, vampires in space. It's like, yes, related, but not really what we're focusing on. So, <laughs> so once I, you know, I, I heard about podcast novels, I figured I'm going to put this out there and see if it has legs. And, uh, you know, the response that I got was so tremendous that it was like yeah okay this is going to work it's really going to work <laughs> <laughs> okay so um so you decided to put it out now when you first started w were they just short stories that you had in mind to put up there or did you have an idea to like because um i know that that right now making the cut is at, got at least what at least 36 chapters because that's where i come in <laughs> Um, not, you actually come in at chapter 26, but, um, yeah, it's going to be about 31 chapters when it's all finished. The, uh, 31 chapters in an epilogue, if it follows the current, uh, guidelines that I have on my outline, uh, there have been cases of chapter, uh, inflation in the past, <laughs> but... 
between madness and a McDonald's lies a little path. A road that travels between hallucinations and dreams. Go to an America that never was and a nightmare that never ends. I am Alice, cursed to walk through a shattered looking glass. My only guide is you. Come join me in the first Choose Your Own Adventure style podcast. Join the road guides and take part in deciding my fate. From the twisted mind of Jack Jaffe comes a new take on the dark fairy tale. 12volttheater.com's down the road. Find out more at 12volttheater.com. Because only you can save me from myself. So we were talking about um, you recording, um, you deciding what you were going to record and uh, and everything. I guess the next question... I the question about when uh, you were saying something about the novel. Um, oh, yeah. you. Um, you I, I guess where I was going with that is that, you know, the novel that you're doing right now, now, it's not, it's not completely finished, correct? No, it's very close, but uh, not quite done yet in the gotcha. home stretch. Now, for me, that would be very, very scary to... Um, <laughs> to start a story and start recording it and then um and not be completely finished with it. I think I had asked you this question the other night on the phone and you had said that you're just you, you plot out a lot. So Yes. It, it it never does it ever happen to you or has it happened to you so far where, you know, you recorded something something um in chapter ten and then you realized you really didn't want it to go that way and no, because um, my recording is lagging way, way behind uh, my writing. Uh-huh. Um, I'm currently writing Chapter 28. Uh, the episode that's going to come out this week is, I think, Chapter 7. Uh-huh. And uh, I only release a chapter uh, every every other week. And uh, I can write a – I can complete a chapter generally at least that fast. Right. So even when I, I don't have a lot of time to write. So I'm staying well ahead of where I'm I'm uh, podcasting. There have been a couple of cases in the course of writing the story where I've sort of seen um, that the story has gone in a different direction from what I originally outlined, and then I uh-huh. had to stop and rework the outline until you know I was back into you know a groove again. But uh, all of that happened long before I actually even started podcasting Chapter 1 of Making the Cut. Uh This was around um, October or November that I hit that that pretty big – I wouldn't say it was a wall, but it was definitely a detour from where I had originally thought things were going. And I'm much more confident now that I'm – you know, I know where things are going. It's you know the last three chapters. I uh, I pretty much know everything that's going to happen at this point. It's just a matter of getting the words on the page. Yeah. <laughs> God, there's so many questions I want to ask you. Ask away. We can always edit it later. Yeah. One of the things that I'm dealing with is I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to do it as an audio drama with other guest voices for my characters, or if I just want to read it myself. Was that ever an issue for you, um, or did you always know you wanted to have other guest speakers after you had had um, 
the Huntress read by somebody else. Well, keep in mind, Huntress was read in its entirety by Leanne, so that was okay. that was basically the same thing I was doing with episodes one and three, um, you know, just with a different narrator. Um, it wasn't until we got into episode four that I had a full voice cast. Uh-huh. Um, it was something that I had been considering from the beginning. What really made me decide to do it was, number one, getting enough connections to other people that I actually had the cast to be able to do it. Uh-huh. Um, and number two, uh, trying to read chapter one of Making the Cut by myself, in which there are 10 or 11 different characters. Uh-huh. <laughs> I cannot, I can do a, a fair number of interesting things with my voice to distinguish <laughs> one character from another, but I can't do 11. Right. Not 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 hitting on that, you know, multiple personality disorder there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I do enough of that just for writing these characters. I trying to right. voice to them is another thing entirely. How did your audience or are you know, maybe they you know, you don't really know, but did it seem like your audience liked one over the other or transitioned well from having just one reader to several? Um, people have, when they've spoken about it at all, at all, they've said, you know, we really like your your voice for narration, but we also really like having the the voices for the different characters. Uh-huh. And I've gotten a number of compliments on the uh, the actors, especially lately, um, as I think everybody has sort of gotten into the groove of it. Most of the people I was using in the early episodes um, were all local friends who had never done any recording before. Uh-huh. And so, you know, we were all kind of new at this and just sort of finding our footing. And right. uh, by the time that we got those people back for their third or fourth recording session, they were a lot more comfortable in front of the mic. Uh-huh. Um, what's your audience currently at? Um, my I have about 1,200 subscribers on FeedBurner, um, uh-huh. and each episode I get about uh, 1,800 downloads total of each file. So there's maybe 600 people who are picking it up off of the website or through the iTunes Music Store. Nice. Um, you know, alternative methods of distribution other than the RSS feed. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to build up to that to that kind of listenership? Well, I've been running since uh, September, and I mm-hmm. just hit 1,200 this week. Um, it's kind of been dancing around the 1,000 mark, um, you know, going up above it and then dropping below on weekends for about the last two months. We uh, hit a big surge uh, when Steve Ely mentioned Metamore City on Escape Pod and talked it up about how much he was enjoying the show. Uh, our listenership grew by about 25% uh-huh. uh, pretty much overnight, or at least over. And uh, that was the biggest biggest jump that I've had thus far. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's been kind of a slow, steady growth uh, from week to week. What things did you do um, in order to get get people to your podcast and listening to it? Well, first off, I started getting my name and voice out there early by um, leaving voicemail messages on different podcasts that I listened to. Uh, posting comments on their blogs, um, you know, offering my 
assistance in different ways. I did an interview for uh, I Should Be Writing back in October uh, with Kim Harrison. Oh, you are so lucky. Oh, she's my favorite. So cool. Yeah, yeah, Kim is Kim is great, and she is, you know, a wonderful human being. I had a really nice time talking to her and uh, the guy in the leather jacket. And uh, did he? Did you actually talk to him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, oh, that is so uh, cool. Yeah, he's a very nice guy. Very, uh, very soft-spoken, and uh, sort of. He, he sat in the room and watched while Kim and I did our interview. Yeah, yeah. I was at Conclave, and uh, we sat down in the. Uh, in the little con suite before the the convention began and uh, did our interview for about half an hour. And uh, then there were a number of roundtable uh, discussions throughout the rest of the uh, the weekend that she and Guy took part in, and uh-huh. I was there for most of those. You're you're my new hero. <laughs> I love I love Kim Harrison, so oh, that's, yes. that's she's, extremely she's one cool. of the best. Uh, at characterization in the business, mm-hmm. um, some you know, some some issues with pacing. I think uh, mm-hmm. she doesn't tell quite as tightly uh, crafted a story as say Jim Butcher, mm-hmm. but uh, I am just so in love with her characters that mm-hmm. it just doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, so those um, were a couple of things. What else did you do in order to to build up your um, your following? Um, created promos, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, distributed them to other podcasters whom I had gotten to know because I was involved in their, um, you know, in their, their shows. Mm-hmm. I uh, called in and took part in the Q&A for, uh, uh, with T. Morris after Billabub Battings finished up, so my mm-hmm. voice got out there that way. Um, pretty much was just looking for any opportunities that I had to established that I had a presence in the area, and of course, one big part of that was the fact that I had made friends with Leanne, and uh-huh. uh, she was like, okay, we're going to make you a star. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and you, this, this is a, a voice that needs to be heard, and so then she's you know out there talking about me on her show and posting about me on her blog uh-huh. and uh, introducing me to other other podcasters, virtually anyway, you know, basically telling mm-hmm. them you need to meet with this guy or you need to, to talk to him. And that was how I um, first really made connections with B.V. Lee and M.A.N.P.A. and uh, various other people. So, you know, everybody knows everybody in this business, but some people know each other more than others. And, right. Uh, so kind of uh, just it was a gradual process of building from one connection to another to another you know meeting Leanne got me to Steve which got me to uh, Cunning Minx which got me um, having her on uh, for Troubled Minds playing uh, Mm -hmm. the role of Jenna Mm -hmm. and uh, when she started talking about me on her show and posting on her blog and that got a whole another group of people interested in me right so I mean, that's the way you do it. You just go out there and you work the connections on Twitter, on Skype, on uh, message boards. You know, you, there's there's no substitute for uh, getting to know people. Right. Now, now here's the, the big question that I had for you the other night that um, I'm sure a lot of 
traditionalist, I guess, because I, I used to be, or I'm still trying not to be a traditionalist. The big concern is, is if I if I podcast my story, then no one's going to want to publish it. And what would you tell to all those those people? I guess the first thing I'd ask them is, what are you in this for? Are mm-hmm. you in this to make money? Because mm-hmm. if you're in writing to make money, you better choose a different line of work. <laughs> right. I'll tell you that right now. Um, most people do not make money, you know, not enough to live on anyway. Even, you know, Jim Butcher could not do what he does. Well, maybe now he can, but right. up until recently, at least, last I heard, he was not making enough money for that to be the, you know, the day job that supported the family. Right. Um, you know, most people can't. The, yeah, most people cannot afford to quit the day job. And as John Scalzi told me when I interviewed him for I Should Be Writing, you know, that's quitting the day job should not be a dream for you <laughs> because right. it creates more problems than it solves for the most mm-hmm. part. Yeah. Um, so that's the number one thing. If, if you're, if you're, in this for to make money to be a big published novelist to sell you know a hundred thousand copies of your book then you know really your chances if what chance you have you're more likely to get it going through the traditional route of writing your book finding an agent finding a publisher mm-hmm. if all you care about is people getting to experience your work and enjoying it and interacting with you about it and, you know, people getting to know your stuff and giving you feedback, podcasting is a much better way to do that because it's a very low barrier to entry. It's not hard to get started. People in this community are very welcoming for the most part. You know, there's Mm -hmm. politics everywhere, but for the most part, people are very willing to help out new people and to, you know, spread the word about what each other are doing. Right. Um, you know, Scott Sigler has got way, way more people listening to his his uh, books than your typical um, first published novelist will, you know, ever get. Right. You know, you're, you're lucky pretty much if you've got a mass market paperback coming out, mm-hmm. um, you're not going to get 30,000 readers. Right. Just, you know, chances are it's not going to happen. First-time novelist, no way. Uh, you know, you'll be lucky if you sell a few thousand copies, probably. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, just realistically. And I've already, you know, I've been doing this since September, and I've got 1,800 listeners. That's you know, awesome. It's, you know, it's not much compared to a J.C. Hutchins or a Scott Sigler, but it's more people than have ever been been involved with my content before. Right. So, yeah, I I think most people who get into the business of telling stories do it because they enjoy telling stories and because they like to have that personal connection, you know, that, that interaction that says, hey, you know, I read your stuff and I really enjoyed this, this, and this about it. And mm-hmm. what do you think about this, or what led you to do that? Um, that sort of conversation is a lot easier to do in the podcasting community mm-hmm. because the the react you know the response time is is instantaneous. Mm-hmm. You know, I put out an episode, and within 24 hours, 
I've got people responding to it and telling me what they thought about it, sometimes within minutes on Twitter or Skype, if I happen to be on the night that the episode is released. Right. Um, whereas you write a novel and take it through the traditional mode of, of publishing, it may be two years between when you write the end and when you finally see it in print. Right. So, yeah, and then if it goes to print, how many of those people who read it are actually going to write to you and say, hey, I just wanted to let you know I really enjoyed your novel? Probably right. not that many. So unless you're, you know, a Kim Harrison who's got, like, you know, her drama box on her website where she carries, she makes a point of carrying on an ongoing conversation. It's very unusual. I don't know too many writers who are as personally involved with the fan community as she is. You know, I'm finding, and, and it's only because I, I pay attention to, to my genre, but I'm finding that a, an enormous amount of urban fantasy authors, it seems, are getting live journal accounts, and, you know, they're all amongst themselves, and which leads them to talking to their fans who read them, but they're becoming very much more accessible through, you know, websites and live journal and things like that, and I think that that's... And I think that what it is is that a lot of these people are... are picking up on the new media vibe and realizing that the only way that they're going to distinguish themselves from the glut of stuff on the urban fantasy market mm -hmm. uh, is to make that personal connection with people. Absolutely. One of the, one of the things I noticed on, on Kim's website is that when she gets a uh, new fledgling author who uh, is, you know, her, you know, has been picked up by her imprint and they, you know, give the books to her if she likes them she will make a point to promote them on her website um tell me out here though the woman who wrote stray and rogue what's her name rachel vincent i actually have an interview with her on friday so oh excellent yeah yeah rachel um she was uh kim brought her in and basically had her as a guest host in her little um discussion forums mm -hmm. uh when when Stray first came out, you know, Kim basically brought her up and you know, said, hey, guys, I wanted to introduce you to this new writer. I mm -hmm. think she's really good. And, uh, you know, talk to her and get to know her. And Yeah. And I think she did the same thing for Vicki Patterson, too, because she I did. think, she did. yeah. Um, so. And also, I think she did something similar for T.A. Pratt. Mm -hmm. So it, this is something that is uh, becoming a recognized need is, mm -hmm. you know, to build loyalty from one reader, to, you know, from one, one person to another to another. Mm -hmm. I can tell you the reason why I, you know, first picked up Kim Harrison's books is because, you know, I got a recommendation from another author that I was reading. Mm -hmm. And same thing for Vicki Pedersen with mm -hmm. uh, The Sense of Shadows. I got right. it because I saw the, the quotes on her cover. And, uh, you know, with so much, there's so much junk in the urban fantasy market right now. There's, uh, you know, I think that there are a lot of publishers who thought that this was the, you know, the goose that laid the golden eggs, and so they were going to squeeze out as many of them as they <laughs> possibly could while the fad was going. Right. And um, so there's a lot of really, really bad stuff out there. Yeah. And, you know, you need... Some you know people are are looking to other writers and to other readers who have been in the the genre to 
say, help me out here, to sift the, the wheat from the chaff. Right. And I think you know, the social media tools that we're all familiar with, LiveJournal and, you know, that sort of thing in podcasting, these these sorts of community-building things help people to make those sorts of connections. My name is Ascana Muldaren, first queen of the throne of a thousand suns. I lead my people on the dawn of a new age, but have discovered hidden traitors already at work to destroy everything I have won. In this time, when my kingdom hangs in the balance, my only ally is a pirate from a far-off land called England. Well met, Your Grace. Goddess, protect him from my wrath. Morevi, The Chronicles of Rafe and Ascana, written by T. Morris and Lisa Lee. Available now at patiobooks.com. Experience the epic fantasy SFF Audio calls a richly inspired whirlwind romance. Swashbuckling action takes the main, and heartrending romance builds slowly, culminating right to the end. What would you do without me, Your Grace? Challenge me again, Privateer, and we may find out. Morebi, The Chronicles of Rafe and Ascana. Subscribe now at patiobooks.com and embark on a grand adventure. Thanks for listening to part one of the interview with Chris Lester. Many of the links that were mentioned in this part will be listed in the show notes for this episode along with the links mentioned in part two. I also want to take a minute and remind you that chapter one of my new podcast novel, Guardians, will be coming soon, so keep your eye out for it. Come back for part two of my interview with Chris. Hi, this is Kimmy Alexander, and you found Tail Chasing. If you like magical fiction set in a contemporary urban environment, then you've come to the right place. We'll talk about writing it, reading it, and some of my own stories thrown in for good measure. So let's start creating some magic.